Golf's no different from hockey. Requires talent, self-discipline. Golf requires goofy pants and a fat ass. You should talk to my neighbor, the accountant, probably a great golfer, huge ass. Hi, golf fans. This is Tom Fazio. You are listening to The Real... How do you measure yourself with other golfers? By height. It's a very, very special honor. I'm Paula Creamer, and you're listening... We're waiting. Hi, this is Martin Cove, a.k.a. John Kreese from Cobra Kai, and you're listening to... Quiet, please. Let the word go out from here across the land. Let Daddy Noonan uh, approve. Hi, boys. Nice day for golf, man. Quiet, please. Oh, you got secrets, eh? Hey, this is Shooter McGavin. You're listening... Welcome, welcome, welcome. Another episode of Quiet Please, the golf podcast. I am Alan DeFue, your host for eh, a little while, 45, 50 minutes. Maybe we'll keep going longer because we have an all-star panel. Uh, our regular cast of characters have a special guest. We're going to let Andy Hydorn make that introduction. But speaking the aforementioned Mr. Hydorn to my right, kudos, sir. Good to, Good see, to see you, you as all. always. Yes. Uh, hailing from Kentucky, Bourbon Bob. Cheers and cheers. Cheers and cheers. And we pulled him off the tee. We pulled him off the lesson tee. We pulled him off the best peewee swings in golf. He's got to chime in on that. We want the dirt. Oh, I do. Brendan Elliott. Good evening, and gentlemen. Christian. Oh, I thought that was I thought that was Stuart Sink. <laughs> Show us your calves. Contrast that bad. <laughs> Show us your calves. <laughs> Christian is Christian made an appearance. He's like a cicada. He comes yeah. out like every seven years. He makes an appearance, <laughs> and then he like goes back underground. But exactly. he's actually he's probably above ground. He's flying somewhere right now, Andy. But we have a worthy fill in, and why don't you make an introduction? Because I'm jacked up over this one. Yeah. So I, I hope you listeners are ready because this is a really cool topic. We have a really great guy with us tonight. Um, before we press record, Bob called him the five-tool player. <laughs> he's he's totally a five-tool player. Um, Keith Stewart's with us tonight. I knew Keith when he was a, a young, aspiring golf professional at Braeburn Country Club uh, back in the day, some 30-some years ago. <laughs> um, I met Keith and, you know, kind of seen him here and there throughout the last bunch of years and uh about i don't know maybe a year ago um maybe even less i i started to see keith on social media um with this this new thing this new venture that that he kind of started uh it's called read the line and we'll get into some more details on on how you all can uh you know get acquainted with read the line but but in short, Keith's really uh, developed this great betting um, service application um, that uh, he's put together. He's done done a lot of research, um, and he's here tonight to help answer some questions. And uh, we all have questions about, you know, the world of golf betting. It's so new, um, and Keith's really taken a lot of time to kind of research and and put his thoughts together on uh how he goes about his day-to-day -day stuff and and we're really excited to have keith stewart with us tonight andy uh thanks for that amazing introduction it's uh it's great to be with you all let's rock and roll with this thing absolutely yeah talking about the five tool though back in the old days in business school one keith was on record as a 4.2 in the 40 yard he did the shuttle and something like, you know, <laughs> that's how good he is. Throw, I, run, hit for power. I, I put my name in the portal, Bob, but Dion, he hasn't, he hasn't called me back yet. So I'm still, <laughs> I, I must not be that great. Hang in there, my friend. You'll be, you'll be there. So I, I'll just chime in and say, before we hit record, as Andy said, we were, we were bantering. I'm just left out here because you guys, I, everybody knows everybody on this. But you're the captain, Alan. Thank you. You're the Thank captain. You for, I just wanted to feel important, right? Just once once in this show, I just wanted to feel important. <laughs> well, it's interesting because what Keith has come up with and what he's created is, is really brilliant. He's brought together all the dynamics of really almost what was there, Keith. I mean, 
who hasn't gone out to play for a Coke or a Pepsi or 50 cents or a $2 wager or that's been around from what I've read. I mean, for hundreds of years, people, golfers have always bet. They always drink and they bet and they drink some more. So drinking and betting is it's uh, inherent to the game of golf. But what you put together, explain to the listeners really, and we want to make sure everybody goes to your website, signs up, uh, but give us a feel for what you put together here. Well, I mean, the background in all this is correct. Uh, I met Andy Hydorn. He was a Callaway sales representative back in the late 90s. I was an apprentice up at Brayburn Country Club. Bob, I met you around the same time working for Dave Waldman back in the day and, and you know, an aspiring young PGA professional. I, I spent five years from 98 to 03, so I'm familiar with all that's going on with little linksters. I mean, I think um, you know, it's a copycat league. So I, th- I think we called our clinics little linksters back in the day at Isleworth, Brendan. And I mean, yep. that's an homage to you and everything that you've done to grow junior golf. Uh, I spent 20 years, won five awards as a, you know, what everyone thinks of as a club professional. And, um, when I wrapped up my club pro career in New Jersey, um, back in 2020, uh, the reason that I, I walked away was that Not that I had done everything I could, but I wanted to do more. And I sat in my office for many years and I saw the ceiling and I realized that it was real. And I I wanted to have a bigger voice and I wanted to change the narrative around the game. And having grown up in New Jersey, I think it was easy for me to kind of see in May of 2018 when Congress repealed PASPA. And that's the act that allowed states the opportunity if they wanted to. Um, It was no longer a federal law that you could not gamble on sports. And it was up to each state to decide what to do. And my governor, Chris Christie, was one of the huge advocates of this. And New Jersey was the second state a day behind Delaware, which I think still probably burns Christie to this day. But uh, the facts are the facts. And uh, we jumped in headfirst as a state. And, you know, we still kind of lead the way, not so much just in dollars, but just in the amount of activity that's happening in the betting space and legislature and regulations. And, you know, we still move forward. And you guys hit the nail on the head. Uh, I'm not going to touch on the drinking thing, but uh, I'll I'll certainly say that betting is the fabric of the game. You know, we all do it. And it made perfect sense to me after standing in a golf shop and being on the lesson tee for so many years that, you know, people people loved to throw a little wager on the game. It was just something that was, was just so part of, the, you know, the lifeblood of what makes things kind of tick on the golf course. And I, I could, there were so many times I stood on the first tee and the older gentlemen that were successful, that were teeing off, they were setting up a game and it was complicated. It was fun. And it, it added to the entertainment of everything that was going on. And I said, you know, there's probably something to this and I have an interest in it. And I just, you know, I, I thought to myself, well, you know what, I think I could do something pretty special here. And this is how I'm going to do it. This is how I'm going to, this is how I'm going to be top golf. This is how I'm going to reach a new consumer in golf. This is how I'm going to be like a Tiger Arena League. This is how I'm going to, you know, get people because there's a ton of people that bet on golf that don't even play golf. Mm-hmm. And I've encountered them on many an occasion at this point. So that was, you know, two and a half years ago, almost three years ago. And now, you know, I cover the LPGA and the PGA Tour from a betting perspective week after week. So this week it's the Fortinet Championship after a two week break from the Tour Championship. You know, the Fortinet is happening out in Napa. And, you know, the guys are playing the Silverado Resort and Spa, and and I could tell you a million things about what's going out there and and the field, and it's a deep dive on content. And, you know, last couple of weeks, it was the LPGA only. Um, I'm an equal opportunist as a PGA pro, and I built something that people are genuinely interested in in golf. So unlike Andy back in the day when you came in with the next series of Odyssey putters that, you know, didn't change anything other than the grip and you were, you were trying to sell something new. I mean, I have something new and you know, it's like everybody gets really excited about having a conversation about this. And like all honesty, there's a couple things I do. First of all, being a PGA professional in the space that's unique to the opportunity. I'm also on site and I do a lot of in-play coverage, yep. which are all kind of vanguard moves from a business perspective. But I've been to over 20 tour events this year on the PGA tour, including majors and the LPGA. Um, you see my content all over the place. Of course, you guys referenced it earlier, but you go to readtheline.com. I mean, that's just a media hub for all the things that I do. And because when I looked at this space and there were basically two types of people doing golf betting coverage, On one side, you had golf writers 
and people on TV that were forced to do it who knew golf. They were experts in the game of golf for sure. They were covering the game, but they knew nothing about betting. And it's obvious on TV when you see them use the terminology. And then there was a bunch of guys in their mom's basement with Excel spreadsheets on Twitter yelling at one another. And there was this huge space in the middle that I felt like as somebody who was supposed to be an ambassador of the game, I looked at if I have five tools or I have one tool, I took one of them, Bob, and I brought it to the forefront. And I said, you know what? I have a voice that kind of resonates at time to time. And I'm a pretty creative guy. And you know, I, I, I truly enjoy betting on the game and I've had success quietly without putting myself out there on the internet. So I built read the line and here we sit now. Okay. So let's, let's get into a little bit of the nitty gritty here. Um, so things that I, and the extent of my golf betting is I have a group that does a, a draft Kings pool every week. Right. So we bet, we bet every week and it's small money, but it's still the same concept. Right. And sure. As you do that every week, you start to to notice that there are certain factors and variables that matter, right? And patterns and things like that. So I'm curious to you, Keith, what are those factors that that you look at? I know one of them has to be what happened at that venue last year, because there seems to be a total connection to that that goes on. Um, so what are what are some of the other factors that you really consider when you're helping people pick their players? You know, we could you can dive deep here and you can go in a lot of different tangential directions. So I'll interpret that question as like, what is my process when I dive into an event? So when I'm looking at the Fortinet this week, um, my way of doing it as a golf professional by trade is that I I assume I was going to coach Brendan or Bob and they were going to play in this tour event this week in Napa. And I have to look at their skill sets and then I have to compare it to the golf course. And what would we work on in order to succeed, contend, and then hopefully win and carry the trophy away on Sunday? So I am, I start with the golf course, right? Whereas most people in my world, they start with the odds. I mean, odds are like sucker pins. I say that all the time. You know, I, if, if, if we pulled up an odds board right now for the Fortinet, I guarantee you, like David Blaine would trick you. I guarantee you, I, I know exactly whose name you're going to bring up because they put those numbers and those names in specific positions. I mean, they're, they're not the smartest people on the internet, but they're not losing money either, right? So at the end of the day, you know, like I, I don't look at the odds at all. I look at the golf course. I look at the architecture. I look at everything from the agronomy to the setup to the scores that are shot there, how they're shot there. Are people taking advantage of the par threes, the the par fives, the par fours? How long is the golf course? How short is the golf course? What is the par? I mean, there's a huge significance between whether somebody's a good par 70 player versus a par 72 player. I mean, it, it's a completely different type of player. And all of those things, in my mind, help me come up with a short list of people. Let's say it's 10 to 12 people, right? Now I go into your world, Andy, and I start looking at horses for courses, right? And I say, okay, who's done well here before? Who's scoring average? Who 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 has excelled here before? Not just one, but if they played there five times, do they have any top tens? Because a top ten is, in my mind, is equivalent of almost winning. You know, they were one or two shots away, a bad break. Maybe they didn't putt well, you know, on Sunday or one of the rounds or something like that. So once you have sort of a baseline or a foundation for how to dig into the Fortinet we'll use or the Silverado Resort and Spas North Course, right? So it's a par 72, 7,123 yards. It's been used 17 times before for this week's event. Um, we have a ton of history there. We know how people play it. And so much so that they have so much history, they rerouted the golf course this year and they took 10 holes and they flipped them around. So it's important that I know that because the dynamic of how someone's going to tackle the golf course from the way it was before. And now they've made it a lot more electric for scoring. I mean, they put three par fives in the last seven holes and that's going to, that's going to cause some drama come Saturday, Saturday's close and Sunday's close. So you really have to dive into the golf course and the skill set it takes to play well there. And then I go into the data bank in my head and I think about the types of players that would fit. Well, I get 10 to 12 guys. And then I start to think about, are any of those 10 to 12 not just good there, but are they good right now? It's been said forever, other than Tiger Woods, you know, guys make about 80% of their annual winnings in about a six to eight week span on tour. So are they in that hot zone? 
you know, are the men and women in that hot zone. And then that list gets a little bit shorter because some of them just aren't going to be in great form right now. Now, keep in mind, we haven't gotten any analytics yet. This is all purely just golf. And it's far beyond like the smell test because, you know, I've got 20 something. Well, I've got 30 plus years of just hanging around a golf course and understanding, but 10,000 hours of teaching, playing the game professionally. I mean, we know a couple of things, right, Bob, Brendan, you know, like we've seen a couple of things and uh, you know, what's that farmers. We know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two, you know, and the, the proof's in the pudding, you know, since I went online in January of 2022, I have 24 wins in 20 months. So I've picked 24 outright winners before the tournament started in fields of 156, 144, you know, no cut with a cut. I don't care. You know, I mean, but at the end of the day, winning is winning. So the next step is we've got to get a little bit into the numbers and we've got to be able to prove that the people on our list, which is probably down to about six or eight now names, um, are actually capable of doing the things that we think they can do because of what we've seen. And different golf courses require different skill sets. So if you look at the last 10 winners at the Fortnet, um, there in Napa, right? It's a pretty well-rounded skill set across the board. The average gain by guys off the tee is around three and a half strokes against the field. So uh, in my world, that's pretty significant, right? So you've got to be pretty good off the tee. Oh, well, all, all of a sudden we look and you look back at the golf course and you look at it on Google Maps or if I've been there, if I'm on site and I walk the golf course, then you start looking and you see, oh, these, you have these tree-framed fairways. You know, and you find out that 10 of the 14 fairways are bending, either left to right or right to left. So you got to shape shots off the tee, right? So all of this comes into play. Once you get done with the analytics, now you're down to probably like four or five names, right? Then I'll go to the odds board and I'll see where the best value is. That'll get down, get me down to three or four names. And usually I have a card of three to four names that I publish every Wednesday and read the line for both the LPGA and the PGA tour. So it's a, it's a data driven world. We know that. And, and there's a lot of data, data out there. So it can become overwhelming at times, I feel like. So you're creating that shortcut. But what I wanted to ask you, uh, since we've been bantering back and forth the last couple of weeks on Ryder Cup picks, with all the information and data that you have, how do you feel, you know, we can Monday morning quarterback all we want about the, the choices that Coach uh, Zach Johnson made, but how do you feel or what do you feel should have been if it's not correct as he put it out there? You know, correct is a powerful world, Brandon, because here's the thing. What most people don't know is that, yes, it's coming across as a buddy's trip, and I get that. And there are some intangibles that are very much in play, especially like when you take the most polarizing captain's pick, which was JT, right? And he's playing this week out there in the Fortnite. And, you know, we'll see how he's doing. But, you know, the PGA of America, who runs Team USA and just that half, they've hired a complete analytics team. Okay. And they have been working for two years analyzing all of what will be the picks. And of course, then once the, the, the picks and part of the picks is how they will mix with the six that qualified, you know, so there's been a, there's been a lot of disruption in golf, but on that team, there was a lot of disruption this year. There's three guys that really weren't ever figured at the start of January, 2023, they were ever going to be on the Ryder cup team. And that's Brooks, Wyndham and Brian, right? So those three guys replaced three guys. It just happened that way. Right, because they qualified, and you were you were not going to take Brooks. The guy was seventh, right? Because right? I mean, come on, it's there's no politics and all of that. I mean, you're taking the hopefully the best people that you can, right? But they run simulations through AI. I mean, tens of thousands of them, right? So the PGA of America and Zach are looking at report after report after report. Zach is out there playing on. I mean, Zach. I mean, look at him. He's playing this week at the Fortnite, and he was just over in Italy, right? Yeah. I mean, that that guy, he, he made the cut in all three majors he played in this year. It's pretty good, you know, yeah. as a captain. So he's out there with the guys, and he's doing the same types of things I am when I'm on site. He's watching the guys play. How do they handle the pressure? All of these factors go in, and they came up with the six names. And in my mind, you know, it's tough to – it's tough to – JT was – he was a done deal in July, in my opinion. You know, that was that was for sure, because 
at the end of the day, historically, anyone feel free to chime in. What do we win in Ryder Cups? What kind of matches? Yeah, four balls. Yeah. No, we, we no, win singles. Singles. We win singles, right? And we lose in the teams. Well, we know we have one team that's very successful, right? X-Man and Cantley, right? So Xander Shoffley and Patrick Cantley, right? We needed to build other teams. Well, <laughs> probably, you know, Jordan did go 5-0 and at the President's Cup. Might want to roll him out, right? So who's he want to play with? Right. If it wasn't going to be Ricky, it's probably going to be JT. And they have a proven track record. I mean, what's JT's overall record? He's like six three and one, six two and one in the Ryder Cup. That's pretty good. Yeah. You know, and he's only played in two of them. Now he lost one and he won one, but he's pretty solid there. Right. So and he and Jordan wants to play with him. I mean, so at the end of the day, like you're rolling out Scotty Scheffler. Okay. How many matches is he going to play in Rome? Anybody? Anybody want to play captain for a minute? Probably yeah, everything. Five. All five. I, he plays six for me if yeah. I could let him. Right? <laughs> you want to talk about a five tool? Well, he's probably a four and a half tool player. Um, with <laughs> yeah, all, with all sure. due respect, <laughs> right. but like the the point being is that like you've got to find someone that makes him comfortable. And and there's a lot of unknowns there with Scotty because in Wisconsin he only played three matches. He went two zero oh, and one, right? And yeah, you know, everyone thinks of the big match over Rom, but he only played three times in a possible five. So he's stuck. He's not a rookie, but in a sense, he he hasn't been tested for like a full, you know, immersion of five straight matches and everything. Who's he going to play with? So I really think it came down to when the PGA of America and Zach and their leadership went to the sports analytics team, and they talked to the players. They they you know they brought the players in. The players were a huge part of this conversation. They were with Azinger in 08. A lot of people don't know that, but all. Azinger had made the pods up into threes. And then he went into each pod and he said, who do you want me to pick? That's a fact, right? And that system seemed to work. I mean, we abandoned it right away, but it did work, you know? <laughs> so, I mean, at the end of the day, there's something to be said for that. So it, it that well-rounded approach, you know, it's, yeah, what, what, would I like, would I like Keegan Bradley to be on the team? Sure. I would. Do I think he deserves it? Yes. But for some reason, they, they had a very good reason to pick Sam Burns or JT for this type of rationale over Keegan. Yep. Those are the facts. And that's tough to hear, but they are putting more time and energy into this than somebody is in creating 140 characters and posting it on Twitter in 30 seconds. Yeah, I like that. Keith, let me, ch let me chime in for a second. I don't know if... I Jersey to Jersey here. I don't know what part of Jersey you're in. I actually run a course in in Jersey. Uh, I follow Lou Stagner, stat, golf stat guy. Sure. Had a, had a great stat on you. mentioned uh, Scotty. Who do you pair with it? Strictly on strokes gained, he can't grand, you know, Lou does all kinds of manipulations of statistics, but he came up with Brooks Kepka. And I don't know if you saw, I don't know if you saw that tweet, um, but in your mind, good pairing, bad pairing? I mean, Kepka, Love that. Kepka and Scheffler are pretty solid together, obviously. Yeah, I love that, and I love it for four ball, for sure. Yeah, right. I, I I love that all day. I love him with Burns and foursomes. So um, I also like Brooks with Colin, fulfilling the DJ role that was there in 2021. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think those are two that, – that's that might be a pod there. You know, right. I mean, we'll find out in a couple Mondays, but, um, you know, but I, but yeah, I think putting Scotty with somebody who's intimidating and is almost like a bodyguard yeah. in a way of speaking <laughs> is, uh, is certainly, is certainly a very, very savvy play. So I'm with Lou on that and, and Lou definitely knows his stuff. So there's, yeah, I think yeah. it's a great pairing. I happen to be the only thing is I, I read it today. That's why I'm, it's fresh on my mind. I've just brought it back up. Harmon and Spieth, actually, he rated as the lowest as possible partners for somebody, which I find bizarre given their ability to, to roll the rock, both of those players. Well, wants more balance, I would think. Yeah, you'd want more balance. You know, it, at the end of the day, um, especially if you're going four ball. Right. You would 
you would want somebody with Jordan, A, that he has a lot of confidence in, and B, that is he thinks is going to show up all the time because Jordan is <laughs> super aggressive, right? right? And um, And when Jordan does do Jordan things, you need to know that that other guy isn't going to ride the roller coaster with him. It's just like, yeah, great shot. Okay. You know, you you chipped in from under a tree. Uh, I'll go out and I'll par the next three holes because you'll be in your pocket. And then when you chip in next time, I'll appreciate you winning a hole. That's great. You know, I, so uh, the, these guys have been over there, right. And Marcus Simone, everyone's remarking about the rough and everything. I mean, this place is going to play pretty interesting and hopefully I'm afraid of it already, but I think the golf course is going to get like, you know, best picture in all of this. And it should be more of like, you know, best supporting rather than the, the, like, there should be a bunch of best actors. I, I'm terribly afraid that the fact that they're going to have like five inch rough and they're going to have like 15 yard wide fairways. I mean, it's going to neutralize everyone having fun. I mean, the par fives are going to be one with Eagles, the par fours, there's some reachable and there's some that are super long. The par threes are kind of cool, but overall, I mean, it's, it's the Italian open host golf course It might as well be, I don't know, TPC Craig ranch. You know, we're not talking about, you know, going to like Brookline or something like that, you know, or Beth page. I mean, at the end of the day, let's just hope that they don't trick this thing up enough that they, that we all regret where this thing ends up. You know, it'll be close on its own because we're on the road. We're more talented, but we're on the road. And and at the end of the day, um, I still see the American side winning because, you know, there's a lot of holes to be played and we have more depth, but you know, I mean, you can get ex- as excited as you want about Ludwig Aberg, but the guy didn't play a major this year, right? He was in college six months ago. He was playing like division one events and yeah, he was the number one amateur in the world, but there's a big difference between the USAM and the U S open, right? Bobby Jones hasn't won one of those in a while. I'm pretty sure, you know, so <laughs> Just like that, like not to talk less of, of Ludwig and what he, what he captured and everything. But I mean, I'm, I'm a lot more afraid of Sam Burns than I am of Sepp Straka, right? They have, they have people they need to hide on that team. We do not, you know, Sam Burns won the match play this year. Yeah. If he was the last guy on the team, I mean, JT won a major a year ago. If you say, oh, JT's out of form. Okay. He also went six, two and one in two prior Ryder cups. You know, so and and he's like, you know, one of the emotional leaders of the team. So he's willing to put himself out there in that arena. And, you know, like Teddy Roosevelt, he's comfortable with that scenario. You know, it's interesting because um, I'm thinking of this right now. I, I did an interview with Stacey Lewis yesterday for an article coming out about the Solheim Cup. And I asked her about Lexi Thompson. And there's a oh. lot of parallels there with Lexi and with JT at the points that they're at right now. And and Stacy said that her role this year is very important to the team because she's the most experienced on the team for Solheim Cups. And she's kind of that going to be like, she played with Christy Kerr a lot, she said, and she's got that bleeding red, white, and blue with her. And that's an important intangible that you don't find in analytics and stuff for, for someone being on the team. So a lot of, go ahead. No, I was just going to say to that point, I think, I get the parallels between JT and and Lexi, but Lexi is lost. Like she is, she's in a bad spot right now. I think JT's been tinkering with his game a little bit too much, but, but he's kind of close. Lexi's lost. Let's assume they're both lost and they both lack self-belief. Okay. JT was picked. Lexi made it on a qualification. Right. No, she did not make it on points. She well, would have never made it on points. Correct. Correct. He made yeah. it on a qualification, which is that on the American side, two players can make the team if they're inside the top twenty in the Rolex Women's World Rankings. Well, she's dropped since dropped out of the top twenty, but p- just prior to that date, the cutoff date, she was nineteenth, had fallen from fifth at the beginning of the year. She's made two cuts all year, and one of them was last weekend. Brendan, I mean, yeah. so. If they were both kind of wandering around in the dark, Zach Johnson went out, put his arms around JT and said, hey, I know you've had a tough year, but we want you, okay? The the narrative around Lexi is, well, she's going to be really good in the locker room and we're going to position her properly. Like, I mean, what? is this like a late night date? 
You know, I mean, what are we talking about here? Like, like, what do we, what do we do? Like, this is Lexi Thompson and everyone knows to Andy's point, like she is completely lost. I've been out there. I've seen it. It's bad. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's, you feel you to the point where like, like same old jets, right? Like last night, you're like, whether you're a jets fan or not, you're like, man, that's pretty tough. You know, 75 seconds and the guys like hard knocks, everything else. And it's just over. Right. Like, but you know, with Lexi, it's just, it's just not been a good year. And she doesn't yeah. know what she's doing. And, um, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, I think there's a big difference between the two. You can make all the parallels you can, but for in my mind, JT was picked and and she wasn't. And yeah. I, I think both of those people internally understand that. I think you're going to see a different JT this week at Fortnite, right? I think he'll be able to beat Zach this week. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, I, I think I think you're going to see different, you're going to see a different JT this week because he knows that he made the team. Was he worried about making the FedEx Cup playoffs, or was he worried about making the Ryder Cup team at Wyndham and 3M and so on and so forth? Ryder Cup. We, we all know what the answer to that question is. Absolutely. Hey Keith, I had a you know going back to your methodology for picking the winners, and so uh, just want to clarify to the listeners. The halfway house F and B offerings do not come into play. <laughs> no. Okay. No. Just, no. No. They do know, not. They for, uh, for, a lot, for a lot of golfers, that's a big deal. You know, where am I going to play? What do they have at the turn? You know, things like that. So that was my first question. My fault. Well, it, I mean, you got to have a constitution. So I mean, it's yeah, probably right. a valid point. I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> add it into one of my lists here. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's no. Um, so, you know, on your website, I love where you said, hey, you have four rounds of golf versus four hours at the Super Bowl. And there's more that you can bet on and there's more action and so on and so forth. But in a serious vein, recently on the tour, there's been two incidents where somebody's and this has happened before, but it's the you know, they're going to scream in the backswing. So if I've made a big bet, my guy or lady is on the verge of winning or you're the leader and I bet on Andy. I mean, where do you think this could go? I know the tour is looking at security issues, and uh, but can you control this idea that in a golf event, because it's so unique and the spectators are right there in the middle of a backswing at a crucial time, somebody screams something? So there's kind of two questions in um, in your question there, I guess. Um, the first part, when you start talking about on the website, what I – what I'm talking about is, is why do people get so excited by betting on golf? Why are there so many people that don't play golf that bet on golf? And there's four reasons, in my opinion, why. Number one, it's the longest odds and, and the shortest pay window. So let's say you were a Jets fan, right? Or you were a New England Patriots fan back in the day with Tom Brady, right? And you came out at the start of the season and your odds to win the Super Bowl were 10 to 1. Or something like that, right? Okay. Patriots are probably less, but maybe the Jets were right around 10 to 1 to start the year. You put your money down in August, and then you go seven months through weather, GM decisions, injuries, possible bad referee calls, through the playoffs, you get to the Super Bowl, you win the Super Bowl in seven months, you get your 10 to 1 back, right? I mean, I, I you could go 40 to 1 this week on Andrew Putnam, and I'll pay you in four days. I call it the four-day lottery, right? It doesn't exist. You'd have to do some crazy 15-team parlay between college and NFL with a bunch of long shots over the course of the weekend to even get close to that, right? That's exciting because it happens all the time. You know, it's just the craziest of things. And then why do people love the Super Bowl betting? Because of all the prop bets. They want to bet on the coin toss. They want to bet on who scores first and everything. And now that's permeated throughout all of sports. But nobody offers more prop options than golf. There's 156 players in the field all playing 18 holes a day. So there's a million things that you can do with that, right? Then the whole world is going towards live betting. So in-play betting. So you want to bet the Super Bowl, it's four hours. You want to bet, I don't know, a golf tournament, it's four days. So you don't have to rush to bet in-play. You could kind of bet when they're not playing, right? You have time to do it. And the last thing is, we mentioned it earlier, is that betting is the fabric of the game. If any of the five of us got together to play on the first tee, we're going to make, you know, probably a gentleman's bet for fun. Even if it's a dime, it doesn't matter. It gives you something to feel like that you're competing for. And it's, you know, it's tough for us to be internal, look in the mirror and just want to compete against the golf course. We always lose. So we got to find somebody else to try to beat up on right now to get to your point about, I was in Chicago at the BMW and when the whole max thing went down and I was right there in the flash interview area, when he went off about that, 
Okay. And there are some concerns there because this could become a problem and it's, it's a problem in other sports in a different way. Um, the PGA tour is very aware of it. Um, I've even spoken to them about it because they know I'm basically the only credentialed media member that's out there outside of the tour zone betting people that just covers golf betting on a weekly basis and is on site. You know, so at LACC for the US Open, there's 250 credentialed media, and there's probably two of us in there, one for the tour and me, that are covering it just from a betting perspective. Everyone else is a sea of similarity, right? We all run into the into the interview room and they say, Oh, I shot 62 today. I'm Xander Shoffley, and it was the US Open. This is great. And then everybody runs out and then they write, you know, a hundred different stories, which all show up at your inbox tomorrow morning on 18 different newsletters, right? So that that type of content or whatever, right? It, it's it, the, the tour comes to me and they say like, what do you think about this? And I said, well, I mean, there's a, there's a couple things going on. You need to be aware of it because as betting awareness becomes more and more prevalent and popular in golf, you, you need to make sure security's in place. You know, it's kind of a unique thing in golf. I'm not sure if you guys were aware of this, but the PGA tour is an association when they travel around is the only league that I know of that doesn't cut off drinking. Mm-hmm. Right. You're not getting, you got, you, no, you're, going, you're going to Foxborough there, Bob. You're not getting a beer in the fourth quarter. It doesn't matter how much Brady's up. Okay. You're, not getting, beer. Get you're, beer not, here. you're not getting one. All right. So um, for beer. I mean, that's that, that could be, you know, um, am I concerned about people yelling out of turn like that? Not as much as I'd be concerned about the way the Super Bowl ended and there's a third party involved and there's a referee. Right. How'd you walk away feeling about that if you were a better? Right. You're like, oh man, that thing didn't look great. Right. So at least golfers, they're out there on their own. There's no referee. Right. We have to be more conscious security wise. But I think that little instances like that, we learn from them throughout life. I know the PGA Tour is actively thinking about it and they're learning from it. And they're always all over me and my content to make sure that there's, we're not, I'm not relating insider information. Or so to answer your question, those things are going to happen. They're happening in all sports. You know, I mean, it it happened at the U S open, you know, with those protesters, they weren't there. I mean, they didn't realize what they were doing was affecting the match from a betting perspective, but it was one of those players had momentum and the other didn't. And then they stopped them for 49 minutes, you know, no different than a weather delay at times or, or, you know, acts of God. But, you know, at the end of the day, um, I can report back from the front lines that the tour is well aware of it. Um, the players understand what's going on. And, um, you know, unfortunately, uh, there's always a bad, couple bad apples in the bunch. Yeah. And it, I, I think the quiet factor is is also pretty significant, right? You know, yeah. and, and, and it's true in tennis too. But, but, you know, you could have protesters at a football game and nobody would ever know, right? But the quiet factor is a big deal and it, and it, it definitely plays a part in, in this topic that we're talking about. Um, so Keith, explain quickly for our listeners, how, what's your, what's your business model in the sense of how do, how do your customers basically transact with you? What do, what do they buy from you? Okay. Uh, great question. So um, read the line, you go to readtheline.com and there's a subscribe button there. And there's also a bunch of content coming in. So um, kind of the first primary thing you'd want to do is hit subscribe. You can subscribe for free and you'll get a truncated version of a newsletter that comes out every Wednesday morning that covers the PGA Tour and the LPGA Tour um, and who to bet on uh, week after week if they're playing that week. Now, for $10 a month, you get the full version of the newsletter and that will cover everything from uh, DFS DraftKings picks to props to one and done picks and all of my outrights. Um, success rate is good. As of this past Monday, I've, let's see, I predicted 911 bets in 2023. And I have close to, I have like a 14.8% ROI. So I'm about double a wall street of a good broker. So <laughs> I, at the, at the end of the day, um, it, uh, PGA professionals do know the game of golf, which is nice to yeah. know. At the and end I of the think day. we all buy lots of stupid shit for ten bucks a month. <laughs> this is yeah. probably this is yeah. probably for for people who are interested in golf and in in golf betting. This is probably 
a really good place to to throw 10 bucks a month at it. Now, I'm going to do it. I well, And I don't do much, much, but it, like to me, it's interesting and worth it. Here's the thing, right? You read the same golf material all the time. I call it a sea of similarity. 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 Okay. Similarity, right? <laughs> and tell that that's my brain telling me I'm talking too much. But um, I write proactive content. I do not write reactive content, right? What does that mean? I write things before they happen. Okay. So if you really want to appreciate, just read the just read the free newsletter because the narrative is in there. What it takes to win in Napa, it is it is written. I wrote it today. It comes out tomorrow morning, right? I wrote it. If you read it and you watch the golf on TV, you will have an enlightened experience. You will have a better connection to the entertainment and the game, and you'll be able to notice things better than listening to the Trevor Immermans of the world. The fact it's true because I am really looking at what it takes to win and they are reacting to it. So you'll have these seeds planted in your brain and you'll watch and you'll go, man, that's cool. And it'll feel like deja vu, but I mean, there's no such thing as a coincidence, right? Things just happen because yeah. we know, we know stuff, right? So at the end of the day, you go to that readtheline.com, you subscribe. If you want to pay, you could pay. But if you want to check it out a little bit more, there's all sorts of media there. I am published by Sports Illustrated Online, the Sporting News, the PGA Tour, the LPGA, and then, of course, the PGA of America, which covers the PGA Champ and the Ryder Cup. So I'll do the Ryder Cup coverage for the PGA of America, right? All the betting. I, this is betting coverage, folks, right? So you could look at all that stuff on the website. There's videos there. I do a TV show with Chantel McCabe. We covered all the signature events this year in the majors. Um, you could go on YouTube and stream that. That's free. And you could just get a sense for what it is that I'm explaining right now. And when you kind of like, you put this podcast and what you're learning alongside some of my, you know, diatribes throughout whether it's editorial or on TV or on social media, you follow me on TikTok. You know, I do my best to be entertaining when I can. And, you know, I, I think that you will have a new appreciation for how to interact with the game through coverage. I mean, the fact of the matter is, Andy, the average person that watches golf on TV is 64 years old. And that's the way the Golf Channel and the USA Network treats it. And that's the way Jim Nance treats it, okay? The average person that bets on their phone is 37 years old. That's the way I treat it. Not because I want to be any younger, but because that's that's so much more exciting. Right? So we have to stop treating golf like coverage, and we have to treat it like something that we interact with. And all sports are like that. But there's more money in betting in other sports, so they're further along down the road. You know, I was watching what was happening. I mean, PASPA was five years ago, and it took me a couple of years of figuring all this out and finding my voice in order to do this and to build out a business model. But the return on my end is that you got to think about it. I write for competitors. I write for SI, the Sporting News, and the PGA Tour. They are looking for the four of you. Four people that want to read about golf betting every week. Okay. I write for all of them, and nobody tells me not to write for the other one because the information is so valuable that they couldn't give it up. And of course, I'm smart enough to know I wasn't signing an exclusive contract unless somebody wanted to pay me a million dollars, right? I know how valuable it is. And we know on the internet now what people are interacting with. So if you go on SI and you read a Bob Herrig article, the average time spent on that article is less than a minute. The average time spent on one of mine is over two. That's a huge difference, mm -hmm. not just for the consumer, but for the corporation, right? The two most... <laughs> actively sought items in golf on the internet right now is instructions. Number one and number two is betting. And number two will overtake number one at some point without question. Right. I mean, so it, it, it you asked me what my business strategy is. Um, it was to build it and they're coming Andy right now. Mm -hmm. There's all sorts of now There's all sorts of sponsorship opportunities or, there's these global platforms that came to me. You know, I, I went and reached out to the golf.coms of the world and I started to look at the numbers and I said, geez, these people, they don't reach it enough people. Okay. I'm on the sporting, I'm on the sporting news on their betting tab and on their golf tab. And they reach 35 million unique users a month. 
across their global mobile, you know, across their global platform, right? Golf.com doesn't reach that in a year. Yeah. Right. So, you know, like look at, look at how I'm presenting this. I'm presenting it as a global entity. I'm not using my domestic American bias or anything. I, I mean, I'll use it in two weeks. Don't get me wrong. You know, I'm not rooting for Rory and Rom, but the <laughs> fact of the matter is outside of that, you know, you, you don't think that people in Asia want to bet on golf. Look at, look at how live was received by Australia. Yeah. yeah. There's a ton, there's a ton of people. Yeah. I get emails all the time at <laughs> read the line. Cause I have thousands of subscribers. These people come in and they're coming from all over the world. And I'm like, I don't advertise all over the world. In fact, I don't advertise at all. It's just golf betting and people love it. So the business model is, is, um, is working. So going back to Bob earlier, I mean, I learned so much at business school one, <laughs> I should have just started back then. Keith, that was, Keith, that was a somewhat of my next question and last question before we, cause Andy doesn't want to be that guy. Um, I sat here last night watching uh, our other co-host uh, Christian texting back and forth with son number two. They're the they're the golf bros. They're the Gen Zs. They're they're your guys you're talking about in the betting field right now. My question to you is: What is the next evolution you see in golf betting? Um, it's it's going to be all in play. So if if you know, if truly the Manning cast is as popular as ESPN says it is, it will be a secondary feed, which is in play, which when you guys are watching the golf, you will turn off the volume and then you will bring up your YouTube or something like that. And there will be an analyst like me and there will be a narrator like um, a personality for maybe PGA Tour Live. And they will they will put the golf in perspective in front of me. There will be betting odds and screens and I will be telling people how how to make plays. Oh, I, like I mean that. that that that's the evolution of this for sure because it's it's all about micro betting and it's about getting you know people as actively participating as they can right it started out as uh Andy bets on um Bob to win the masters and you know Bob makes it all the way to Sunday and he's actually in contention and that one bet kept his attention the whole time and he watches till the end well now people don't make the cut or we have daily mat you know like so um the, you know, the world is, uh, you know, has a, has a TikTok mentality, you know, it's just, they keep swiping, they keep swiping. So the evolution of all of this is to take it to in play. And of course the manifestation of all of that is Tigers arena league. So, and that's, that's the only thing I'm going to add to my repertoire on the website come January when the big cat shows up again, and we haven't seen him for two years. Now people all the time, they're like, they're like, Oh, you know, we got tiger tiger's not around. And when Tiger shows up, the whole world stops. Okay. I know. I worked at Isleworth from 1998 to 2003. I was there the summer of 2000. 10 wins, $10 million, three straight majors. You know, I mean, I, I was there on property with him every day. I worked there. Okay. And I can tell you, when this thing starts, it is perfectly formatted for micro betting. And in fact, when they have the two three-man teams get together and they play – into a 60 by 100 foot simulator screen in front of 10,000 people in an arena, which no one has ever seen before. So all due respect to live, this is a little more innovative than shorts or shotgun starts. <laughs> all right. At the end of the day, right? I mean, we're, this is true disruption and innovation <laughs> to what's going on. We're presenting this to the masses and the whole thing, they're going to have those guys betting with one another as if you're at your home club playing a Nassau. They're going to have them they're going to have them interacting in such a way. And then there, there, there will be betting coverage of that in play for two straight hours. It will be as hot as it can get. And for somebody like me, it is, you know, a fantasy come true. It is, it is, you know, the pot at the end of the rainbow. It is absolutely where this thing is going. Alan, to your point is that um, people want to, and, and, you know, let me say this for your listeners, Right. I'm not some heavy hitter that's out in Vegas at Circa that's dropping $100,000 a week on golf betting or asking my readers to do that, okay? the I guarantee you the average bet of the people that read me is somewhere between $1 and $5. Now, they may make 20 of those, and they may spend $100 a week, but that's the point of all of this. It's the action that engages us. It gives us an emotional connection. 
I am never going to walk up the 18th hole at a PGA Tour event with the nerves of someone who is in the event and needs a par or a birdie in order to win. But if the odds on that person are 50 to 1 and I have $10 to win 500 or 100 to win 5 grand, you better believe I have as many butterflies, if not more than him, because at least he or she is prepared to handle it and I'm not, right? And once you go through that, that Sunday sweat, It'll never leave your soul and you will be hooked on this and you can do whatever you want with it from there. Brendan's got a kid in college, so he needs that 14% return <laughs> on investment. Just saying. Hey, yeah. Brendan, Brendan knows That's how to get dollars. in contact with me. <laughs> oh, I know. I'm signing up uh, as soon as we log off. Well, thank And where you. are we signing up again, Keith? Plug it again. Read- All right, let's go. Readtheline.com. We're on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. So just go right to the website. Uh, it's it's as easy as can be. The subscribe button's in the upper right-hand corner. Then you scroll down. There's another subscribe button, and you scroll down some more, and then it'll pop in from the side. I mean, it's it's uh, it's marketing at its finest, you know? So jump in there. There's tons of media. I mean, go have some fun. Go look at YouTube shorts. Go look at the TikTok videos. You know, I, I've done everything from Wolf of Wall Street to Yellow Ledbetter to Eminem to all different fun things. You know, Bob knows. You know, a player. The, the, I, the, the I, I still don't know TikTok, what that means. The king of TikTok himself is Mr. Hydorn. You can sing, you can act, you can dance. I mean, you know, if it's whatever genre it is, you you, you got to get covered. I, um, I thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know what to say. I, I, you have something that guy or whatever you guys do your yeah, stick. You got the I, hot I, seat too. I, I'm not. Thing. I don't. I don't know if I'm that guy, Bob. But I appreciate. <laughs> I I appreciate the support. I'm number one in your fan club, but Andy wants to see you. All right, Andy, turn up the temperature. Yeah. Okay. Are, are we going to do the hot seat first, or we going to do don't be that guy first? No. Hot seat. Hot seat. Okay, Keith Stewart, you are on the hot seat. So we're going to ask you nine questions. All right. Answer them, you know, whatever comes to your mind at first. Okay. Uh, no right and no wrong answers. Okay. Uh, we will learn a little bit more about you. All right. So, okay. What's your lowest 18-hole score? 64. Sakonet Country Club in Rhode Island. Crazy story about that, right? So Carter. Oh, yeah. Straight out of Compton, for sure. Yeah. So <laughs> crazy story about that, right? So I'm playing a pro-pro Rhode Island, um, New Jersey PGA, pro-pro. My partner is Susan Bond, right? Oh, Susan. And yep. I go out and I shoot 64, and she plays well, too. And we get done, and we're tied for the lead in this pro-pro, right? Problem is, is that my wife, I'm meeting her at Rhode Island Women and Infants, Um at a certain time, because we're about to have a baby and where there's like a baby class, right? And it starts at like, let's call it 7 p.m. And now there's a playoff for this thing. Playoffs, right? There's a playoff. And I'm like, oh, and I look at Susan. I go, I I, I really got to go. She's like, you're leaving now? I said, no, but like we, get, we need to make this quick, right? <laughs> so we end up winning the playoff. Fast forward. I got a cruise from Little Compton all the way up to Providence, which is like a 45-minute drive. I walk in this room, right? And there's like a U of chairs. I mean, you would have thought it was like an AA meeting, right? And there's only one empty seat and it's next to my wife. And every woman in that room stared right through me. And every guy in that room was like, man, look at this sap right here. You know, so, but the 64 was worth it. And I sat down next to her and she goes, this better be good. And I said, we won. And she said, how much? And I'll, I'll end the story there. (laughs) Okay. Keith, what are your three favorite courses that you played? Oh boy, uh, Pine Valley, LACC, and Fishers. Nice, good try. What are the three? What are the three that you would love to play that you haven't? Oh, Cypress, Augusta, and um, Old Course. Okay. Name the three best players of all time. No order. Hmm. Uh, ben Hogan, Tiger Woods, and
Gotta go, Annika. Dramatic pause. Gotta go, gotta go, Annika. Very unique my three there. Yeah. What's what's the best part of your game? Ooh, uh, accuracy, irons. Um, what's, what's the worst part of your game? Oh God, tight light chipping, easy. Sweet. <laughs> yeah, it's a disaster. For- I'm like a, I'm like a National level. Geographic film. I'm like out there clubbing baby seals. It's terrible. Oh, <laughs> you, my God. you and me both. <laughs> yeah, it's the worst. Um, you know, it's the so, first thing to go, the last thing to return. Yeah. You know, yeah. what skill is most important to play great golf? Oh, geez, um, <laughs> knowing the difference between a turn and a slide. That's simple. Good. I like right? that. If you if you can turn in your golf swing, then you add elevation to the ball. You do all the things that we all fear; they all go away. And when all you do is just pull and hope, man, you're screwed. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. PGA Tour or live? Oh come on, PGA Tour. <laughs> play, I mean, the along. other the other you thing's have to not play a, along still. Yeah, I know, but the other thing's not a, It's not real. You know, with you. Just, come on. It's just, I mean, come on. It's not, you get no you know? arguments from this group. Nope. You just changed the question. Okay. Last question. Who's your favorite golfer past or present? Oh, can't pick anybody on the panel here. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I, uh, it's good, Bob. I appreciate Don't that. Know her um, well, I would have to say the man that got me, very interested in the game. And I had the unique pleasure of meeting his whole family at one point, uh, teaching his son to play after he passed away. And to me, there was no greater impact on me as a kid in the eighties. Um, you know, when I was, when I was picking a, a sports hero, than the guy I share the same last name with, then that was pains to it. Oh, that's awesome. So, yeah, he um uh it's it's just uh it's too bad, you know. Um I I moved into Isleworth at nineteen ninety-eight. Mr. Stewart was there with his family and Tracy and Aaron and and um it's just uh in ninety-nine I was there. Um I went to his funeral as a member of the staff. Um and you know, following that, um I was asked as a member of the staff to teach Aaron how to play golf. And uh, Gregor Jameson asked me to do that um, because he wanted to offer that to Tracy um, as a gift. And uh, uh, I spent a lot of time with that young man to see what he's turned into and the striking resemblance um, is as eerie as it gets. And I see him maybe once or twice a year. And um, when I do, uh, I just smile ear to ear. But um, if it wasn't for his dad, um, I probably would have only realized like three tools in my life. <laughs> that's a that's a fine ending to the hot seat. All right, very nicely done. So, all right, boys, eighteenth hole. Andy, we're going to give you the pleasure of doing an eighteenth hole thought, and don't be that guy. So you well, get to two, you get to two putt this, but I'm going Brendan first. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, so first and foremost, thank you, Keith, for for being a guest on the show tonight. You know, I don't know if I've ever said this to you, but you're one of the PGA professionals that's kind of in the last, I'd say, two years or so, that's kind of had me take a little off ramp in my career and venture out into doing some other things with media and things like that. So uh, you were one of those people that made me say, you know what, I can do something different. I'm still always a teacher at heart and I still do a lot of teaching. Uh, but I, I thank you for for allowing me to see that there's other things that we can do as PGA professionals. So thank you. You know, Brendan, when I see what you're up to, and I've known what you've been up to for a long time, um, you've inspired me as much as maybe I've inspired you. Thank you. Boston Bob. It's always a pleasure to be with you, Keith. And um, we will do another Youth and Family Summit. I promise you that um, getting don't, mobilized. Don't threaten me. <laughs> uh, one of the joys of my life being around you and uh, so thrilled to see what you're doing. And Andy kind of jumped. I'm so glad he reached out to get you on the show because it was in the back of my mind, like we, we got to get Keith in here. And 
uh, with what you're doing and showcasing this betting, um, maybe one of the top three things you'll hear in the first tee might be, hey, guys, what are we playing for today? So that's always out there. It's been around for eons. The idea of it's a five cents, it's a nickel, it's a quarter. It could be a few thousand bucks. I mean, uh, there's some great stories out there. But the idea that when you when the listeners hear this, to just get competitive, it's good for your soul. It's good for the game. It, yeah, you can go play by yourself at Twilight. And I've talked about that before, how magical it is. But the idea that you can go out there and you and I can play and yeah, we can bet for a dollar or something. Just there, there's something in the spirit of the, the game about that. And for for a long, long time, and my dad started this with me as kids, just two kids go always, always play for something. It's really good. It'll help your game. And it can be as simple as, hey, Keith, whoever you and I are playing a match and whoever wins this hole, I have the other one has to carry your bag. So I don't want to carry your bag. You don't want to carry my bag. There's no money exchanged. But the idea of that something's on the line, it really can help your game. So, um, you know, I think you're really on to something here and all the best for that. And we're going to have you back again for sure. <laughs> Mr. Baldessari, I mean, you're a legend in my mind, man. Anytime, anytime you call, I answer. Keith, would you like to uh, chime in with a final thought for the day? Uh, well, I, I'm very appreciative of all the supportive words that you guys, and I'm sure I will feel it from your audience once this is, you know, posted and it goes forward and, um, you know, I'll follow up with all you guys. Um, you know, I think at the end of the day, uh, life's too short. If you're stuck in an office to keep doing the same old thing, you know, and, uh, um, it wasn't, I mean, this is pre COVID and everything else. You know, if, if, if you have a creative itch, scratch it. And, um, you know, I, there's been so many people in my career have been good to me. Just pay it forward, you know, to everyone you can. And uh, um, above all else, uh, when I was the uh, um, head golf professional at my last post at Springdale Golf Club, I always thought that was a stuffy title. And then they wanted to make me the director of golf, and I was, like, ready to throw up. So <laughs> I I put, hung a sign over my door. It said the director of fun. And that has been my mantra forever. It continues to this day. If you follow me and you're not having fun, then I have failed. So I wish everyone to have fun and enjoy this game. That's been so good to all of us. I would not know you four gentlemen, if not for the greatest game in the world. And I am super thankful for that. And it proved positive. Andy Hydorn reached out to me through TikTok, <laughs> And I, and I haven't spoken to Andy Hydorn since probably a twins booth at the PGA merchandise show. in in 2000 and, <laughs> in two right and that's a true story right but um we're here now and um you know I, i'm very thankful for it andy like i said i'm saving you to the end buddy but yeah. uh, i want to chime in with a little bit of a personal one so we've had stephen k previously noted our golf course architect on the show and we referenced the story of the for his first job in golf the monster course at the Concord in the Catskills. And as referenced, my great uncle was the original golf course superintendent there when the monster was in its heyday. Just this week, Reese Jones reopened the monster after a massive restoration and renovation. Stretches out to 7650, par 72. Perfect for Andy Hydorn. <laughs> I can't wait to make a road trip there. I'm not going to lie. I played it before it shut down. I think the shortest club I hit into any green at that time was like seven iron. And that was uh, only because it was downhill and probably hit a sprinkler head because <laughs> I just, I got a 69 degree shoulder turn anymore, Andy. Right. <laughs> well, it, it's funny, you know, the, the Concord was as a young guy growing up in, in Allentown, Pennsylvania, um, we talked a lot about the Concord. It was this mystical place that was just north of us in in upstate New York, and and uh, that's awesome news to hear that they reopened it. I, I hope they kept the sixth green because the sixth green was literally like thirty yards deep. Yeah, it was four clubs difference in some cases. So, yeah. all right, Andy, bring us home. Okay, so and I feel kind of bad doing a don't be that guy because this has been such a uplifting show here 
um, but this is too good to pass up. <laughs> so if if y'all want to catch a load of this, you can follow Charlie Hall on Twitter. And some greatest American hero posted that he's a three handicap. He drives at 290. And he would make every cut in the LPGA tour and he would be a top 20 player. <laughs> right. So Charlie, Charlie sees sees this and goes back at him with with the uh I tell you what, let's let's get this game together. You can even play the red tees and I'll play the white tees. And <laughs> um, but you know, the major overarching point here is how many times do we hear just idiot golfers? thinking that they can be and, and it's not just in golf too it's in other sports as well but but thinking that that some random beer drinking joe is is going to be good enough to to beat the the best female professionals in the world and it's just it's disrespectful it's it's just just an an expression of cluelessness right it's, it's just unbelievable so say it Andy. Don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. And my my final thought here is this this uh this podcast, this group, this show, um, just keeps getting better and better and better. And you know, Keith, to have you on today um, was great for a lot of reasons. And to to be able to to see what you're doing and to follow you and catch up with you, I think is so awesome. Um, but really at the end of the day, like a topic like this is so great for our listeners. Um, it, it's so interesting. And I, I just think I can't wait to to promote this particular show because it's been great having you on, Keith. And, and uh, thank you for everything you do. Well, as, as a thank you, Andy, uh, for you reaching out, go out to your listeners, have them come up with 15 betting questions, right? I'll come back on and I'll answer them all awesome. succinctly. All right. Nice. So I, I, I may even rap or quote, <laughs> Hamil, quote, quote Hamilton at the same time, but uh, I'll get to the point. The, the Hamilton, bring it back. Right. <laughs> yeah. I'll never forget Annika's face when she came on the street. <laughs> yeah. That was classic. Yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, that was something. And on, and on that note, we bid you adieu. <laughs> you only have one opportunity to sell your golf property. Shouldn't you partner with an expert that offers you 30 plus years of golf industry experience combined with the reach of a global leader in real estate? Collier's International Golf Brokerage and Advisory Services understands your unique business needs. Whether it is brokerage, management, and consulting, be reassured that the market leader in the business of golf is providing you the real answers and practical solutions you deserve. Contact Golf Talk Live co-host and Collier's Golf Advisory Services member, Alan DePew, today at 717 554 8519. That's 717 554 8519.